Good evening and welcome to a post-homecoming edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Nothing. How's everybody doing tonight? All right. How was the baseball game tonight? Uh, the, the, the children's season, baseball game, everybody. Season's over. Season's, season's over. over. Oh. Didn't, didn't go that well. Oh, oh no. Oh. No. Oh, no, it's poor, fine. It, poor it, no, it was, I'm secretly very happy that it ended. It was a great season for whatever the Clover Cobras uh-huh. or whatever the heck their name is. But uh, <laughs> no, they lost tonight. It's fine. Oh, Good oh, season. Well. Yep. Really nice group of kids. Great group of coaches. So it was another successful season. But I'm glad yeah. it's over. <laughs> well, I, I could say I hope we have two more nights of baseball. Uh, uh, in the big leagues, but we'll see what happens tomorrow. You might. You might. You never know. Um, we are here after a 27-10 win over Towson. Both of us excited to be with you tonight as JMU finally, mercifully, heads into the bye week. Um, rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. We're, welcome, everybody, by the way. Rob, I, I don't know if how much you've been paying attention, but the last couple of weeks are starting to pick up. I think people are getting getting into the season, maybe starting to believe in this team a little bit. Um, as they keep rattling off the wins. So rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Thank you to everybody who's joining us. It was great. I, I ran into a bunch of people this weekend. We, it was always good to see people uh, and talk about, have people be excited about this. I'm constantly amazed, Rob, that people are excited about what we do. But thank you to everybody who has reached out to us. Amazed and appreciative. Yes, I don't, very I don't much understand so. why people listen, but I'm certainly glad that they do. Yeah, and for anybody that, you know, when we run into people at games, I mean, it, I always feel like I don't have – you know, it's like on the way in or on the way out or, you know, you're going too fast. I wish I could stop and talk forever. But thank you, as always, to our original supporters over at Pale Fire Brewing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Hopefully lots of people made it in this weekend, um, planning to be in there in a couple of weeks. But big thanks to Pale Fire. Uh, you can go by the tap room anytime. You mentioned the podcast, you get a free pint class. So we will see those folks in a couple of weeks and looking forward to that. Uh, two random notes before we get started into the football, uh, pre-bye week football. Rob, I want to say congratulations. We talked a little bit of that last week that uh, women's soccer did manage to uh, close out with a win and make their way into the CAA tournament. So good for them, you know, salvaging a little bit of – it was a real tough start to the season, but very much alive and, and moving on. So hopefully they, their tournament is this coming weekend, the uh, CAA women's tournament. So – that JMU needs to, they're six teams, so they need to win a game to kind of get to a chance at the top two seeds. Mm-hmm. So good luck to the women. And then the last thing is we are really excited to say we have, Rob and I have held off on guests for most of the football season. We were, uh, those of you that stuck with us through the off season know that we had some real challenges with the tech part of this podcast as far as getting guests to call in. We're Crossing our fingers, but things seem to have ironed out a little bit. We seem to have figured some things out. And we are going to have one of our favorite guests on next week uh, to preview one of the, wi- um, the winter sports. So really, really excited to have that over the bye week. I think everybody's going to want to tune in and hear that. Um, just, I, I, it, you know, we don't need to hit at it. You know, it's, it's one of the teams that we all get the most excited about here. So hopefully we will. Have you know everyone will get a good time next week, and we're really excited to welcome one of the JMU coaches uh, back onto the show next week. So that'll be really cool. Rob, um, I don't really have anything else to start. Uh, that brings us to the Mossy Creek Four Downs, brought to you by Mossy Creek Fly Fishing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. You can go by the shop anytime, mention the podcast, and you get a free Mossy Creek sticker. I am definitely planning to go 
both to the game with those guys in a couple weeks and hopefully by the shop uh, fairly shortly. So get in there, people, before it gets too cold out there. Uh, it's never too cold to go fishing. Uh, although, Rob, I'm in Minnesota again this week, all week for work. It's 32 degrees here. Is it really? I don't know how these NDSU people do it. I have to give them full credit. Like, this is incredible. I landed. It's supposed to be 22 here tonight. Like, oh, my what, gosh. I only That's... have, like, a three-block walk from my hotel to where I have to go to work tomorrow. But it's 22 degrees. <laughs> like, it, I don't it was know. 70 here today. Exactly. I just – I have no idea. When I took off, I, you know, I mean, just getting to the airport at Dulles, I was, like, you know, sort of almost sweating getting through security and getting up to the plane and everything. I was kind of scrambling from work to the airport late in the afternoon. And then to land, just, you know, just when you pop off the plane on the little gangplank thing, I was like, oh, oh. Oh my gosh! I brought like a JMU hoodie and a vest, and that's it. Oh, <laughs> like that's... Nothing, I was not. I mean, I have work clothes, so I'll be fine tomorrow. But it was like what? <laughs> so, um, yeah. It's anyways. I, full credit to all the all of you uh, Hardy folks from up here because it's not even Halloween; and it's twenty two degrees. Yeah, man. So, that, that that's real man stuff. I don't know if I can yeah, handle that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Rob. Um, you know, this was a big win. I know you and I both watched in uh, various states of uh, celebratory moods um, in different places in the country this yeah. week. Um, and, you know, but but what's your first takeaway from this this week against Towson? I, I'm starting to believe a little bit in this past defense. Yeah. Um, yep. It's just slowly, you know, we, we, we were trying to be patient and weren't doing a very good job of it, myself in particular. I, I was a little bit you know, getting antsy and very, very kind of excited slash terrified to see what Flacco would do. Right, right. But JMU more than answered the bell. Um, Mm -hmm. Really, this, this, the D is starting to be just really impressive on both sides. The running game we knew, I mean, the the run defense we knew was going to be stellar. And they Mm -hmm. continue to shut people down. But even with that, where guys come out or teams come out with a new plan of attack, um, it's just getting better every week. And I think mm-hmm. that all starts with the quarterback pressure and the fact mm-hmm. that they've got four guys on that defensive line who just get in the backfield consistently. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Like it's, I was very worried. There's still obviously yeah, a little bit of a, of a show me attitude where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, we've put together a couple good games and we've been trending upwards, but it, man, if this continues, uh, it's, there's really no limit for this, for this D and this team. Yeah. It's really exciting. And they, you know, Towson played, they, they had a plan of attack at the beginning of the game. I think that's fair to say. And they obviously have a very talented quarterback and a couple of talented skill position players. Um, you know, had a couple decent drives there in the first half. But that's it. I mean, they didn't do anything after that. And they had 28 yards total in the third quarter. Um, JMU ground out the last seven minutes of the game with the ball. I think each team only had one possession in the fourth quarter. And JMU ended the game inside the 10-yard line. So the 27-10 score was actually a bit flattering for Towson. I thought the way that JMU played defensively this week. And that second quarter, just being there in the stands, it was one of those, Rob, where you're like, oh, this is – like, they're not coming back. It was that feeling we got a few years ago, you know, uh, 16 and 17 at times, where it was like, oh, they – whatever Towson was doing those first couple drives to get the, you know, three points or the 10 points, it's over now. <laughs> like, like, Yeah. I was like, not nervous in this game. No. Like it, it, and it was very different than like the Stony Brook game or even, mm-hmm. you know, 
times during the Villanova game. Mm-hmm. This one just seemed like Jamie had it in control. You know, once they got over the hump and, and got off that lead, I was yeah. pretty confident they were going to take it home. Yeah, I was thinking that, that just the last couple of weeks we've seen – I know that there's some – if you get into really, you know, pro football focus kind of advanced stat stuff, there's some stuff about game control. And, you know, some of JMU's scores the last couple of weeks haven't been outrageous blowouts, but I have never felt in the second half of these last couple of games like there was any chance for the other team to move, you know, to move the ball with any yeah. regularity. It's, it's really great to see. So, yeah, that pass D is, is starting to make a believer out of me. Especially, it was great. I saw Charles Tut started this weekend, Rob. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for the first time, I, I think that's his first start in maybe two years. He's had uh, so many different, like, so many injuries. injuries. Yeah, and they were missing. Um, I think they were missing Torres Carroll. Wesley McCormick didn't play much. Like, I heard Signetti today on the press conference talking about they expect to get a lot of these guys back. They were missing MJ Hampton. They were missing Chris Chukwinicki like in the safety spots, in the backup safety spots. So they think the bye week is really going to only get them healthier. And you could see there was a little, uh, little glint in Coach's eye about the team starting to click in with Coach Heatherman's scheme back there. And you're right, uh, it starts up front. And that's kind of my second down, Rob, was uh, just a couple names we haven't talked about this year. That it was exciting to see Q Reed uh, was the one who made the play to cause the big fumble. Mm-hmm. And – you know, that's a name we haven't said. And Jalen Green has been – I, I heard Signetti say today, but, I, I mean, we noticed on Saturday that he's been playing more um, at defensive end and that they've actually created a package for him. I, I think Signetti called it the speed package or the quick package or something, but they've actually created a package where they get one of the two tackles out and they can get Green, Daka, and Carter all on the field at the same time. And – it's just I have been worried about the depth on defense. I think we talked about that a few weeks ago, just that there weren't developing and just to see the way that Hampton played um, the last, you know, at Villanova and some of these things. And now with Reed and Green coming along and, and, and we've seen like Landon Word back at full health. I mean, the linebackers, you know, that we've seen Azanima develop over the season. It seems like as JMU gets ready for the stretch run, there's kind of a backup at every spot that I feel comfortable with, except for maybe D-tackle. And obviously at D-tackle, they would, you know, should they have a problem, they'd potentially move Rondell Carter inside and put Green in on the outside. So just, I was kind of excited to see a couple names pop up on defense that we haven't talked about all year um, because I've been nervous, especially on the D-line with Green, like that they didn't even have a, for a while it didn't even seem like they had a fifth guy. Yeah. So, you know, that I think is really helpful. Cause it is funny, the- too. Like, remember, not, not only were we concerned about the pass defense, we were concerned mm-hmm. about the pass rush uh-huh. like mm-hmm. a week ago. And uh-huh. now that's arguably like the strength of the team. <laughs> I, I don't even know what the stat was. Kurt Dudley said something about the amount of tackles for loss they have in the last five weeks or something. It's, it's staggering. Yeah. It's, it is staggering. It's like, ten, it's like eight to ten a game or something. Yeah. I mean, they're just blowing things up and – with the speed jam you has everywhere on defense, if you get to second and 18, like you just, you have to be really, really good or really, really lucky to, to make that first step, to even move the ball at that yeah. point. I mean, it's just what we saw this it's week. It's just intimidating so. for, for offenses to go up against that. Um, you yeah, see, like definitely. a really good quarterback, they're not going to see too many quarterbacks better than Flacco. Well, that's what I mean. Flacco made a couple plays, especially with his legs this week, where you just mm-hmm. kind of tip your cat, like, 
you know, he spun out of one around the end and ran for 20 yards at one point where I, I don't know who makes that. I mean, nobody else we've seen makes that play, you know, um, and I don't imagine many guys are going to, we will see if we, if we're fortunate enough to get all the way to Trey Lance or one of these quarterbacks from out West. But other than that, we haven't seen anybody in the, that JMU's played this year that can make that kind of play. So no. yeah, it's tough. No. So what's about third down, Rob? I just poke. That guy, <laughs> it's all mine, but yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, I don't, it's just game changing speed. You know, you hear is. people say stuff like that, like, oh, he's a burner or anything. But then you see those two long plays he had where, with mm-hmm. some physicality, too, uh, mm-hmm. on one of them. It's just not fair when you get somebody like that. If he gets two or three steps on, on a D-back or uh-huh. forget about linebacker, nobody's catching him. I mean, he's mm-hmm. just – every week he's doing something that's even more impressive. Uh, yep. And now we're just seeing the flat-out speed, how that makes a difference. When you take that, then you combine it with – Riley, who's become just really a, a very physical pass catcher. He's not mm-hmm. – I don't know what I thought in terms of his development, but I think I might have thought of him as more of an over-the-top deep threat. He's not. No. He's really just no. developed a niche where he can just go up and get balls and make the tough catches in traffic. But yeah, when you've got that sort of physicality uh, with him and his brother, and then mm-hmm. you've got a guy like Pope that can just get it and go – Mm-hmm. And it, it's tough to cover. And then I feel like every week you've got one or two other receivers just making enough plays in the passing game. Um, mm-hmm. Just kind of spread the ball around. It's it's a diverse set of weapons, but, man, pokes, poke speed is the absolute difference maker. It's just – it's. I, I can't remember a guy with, with legs like that at JMU. Like, thinking no. back, like, I literally – I can't find a single receiver in my memory. I mean, Scotty yeah, McGee had, had some breakaway speed in, yeah. like, punt returns. But not like this, not catching the ball. No. Now I was trying to think like, cause even like you think about what is it? Jay Jones from our time or TD mm-hmm. Boxley a little later, like they're quick and they were the, the fastest guy on the team in terms of receivers. But I don't know if they were this kind of like just relative to fast. the competition. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I have to say, I was not to say I was skeptical of Polk, but the other thing I underestimated with him was his route running. Like he, it's very precise. I mean, yeah, and he's a kid who he played at Briarwoods and he played at Penn State, and both of those are the kind of programs where he's he's had a lot of good coaching mm-hmm. in the last seven years, and it shows. Like he's very precise. Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of little things with footwork, and so and I think I underestimated. I thought you know he oh he, you know he kind of washed out of Penn State. I wonder what he. What the story is, like, why does he want to come to James? You know, I don't know. We just, we've had receiver transfers in the past and stuff. And I didn't know. And even if you took away the speed, though, there's that kind of, um, we saw it a little bit with Terrence Alls. There's just, you've been around big time players. And it, that game, when it slows down for you at this level, but this is a whole nother level. <laughs> with yeah. Polk, I'm, I'm with you. It's awesome. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's crazy. I mean, he just, yeah. And you're right. Opposite those other guys, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, and and Danucci obviously loves him. So why would you not? Yeah, I mean he's no, the type of guy you can hit him no. on a five yard slant and he'll take it sixty yards. Yeah, and then I guess for my fourth down, I'll go the other part of the offense and just say, I asked last week. I said it'd be really great to get back to one of those hundred and fifty yard rushing days. Um, they went for almost two fifty. So to the O line, I also thought you know Van Horse was out this week, so I do think Signetti, you know. They let's just say that uh, the Percy Latrell combo behind that O line 
is a handful mm-hmm. for for defenses. And and Jawan was good too, but those two big backs, or or at least guys that run big um, behind that line, it's it's a lot for people to deal with. And it, I mean, they pretty much just took the air out of the ball in the second half and shut the game down, uh, which was the perfect thing to do when the homecoming crowd all left at halftime. Yeah. So I mean, they they outrushed Towson by over two hundred yards, or about two hundred yards. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just – and, that you know, obviously there was one big play to poke on the end of round, but a lot of that was just hand the ball to Percy. I mean, Percy had 111 and a touchdown. Um, you know, Palmer did fumble, but, you know, punishing too. Uh, Jawan got loose a couple of times. I mean, that was just all – it felt like all O-line, and kudos to them. And hopefully they – those guys – we really, you know, knock on wood, but those guys have been pretty healthy this year. Um, I think Fernando was a little banged up early in the season, but this bye week's probably coming at a great time for them. Um, they've played nine straight games. If they play as many as they want to after the bye week, they will play seven, probably seven straight games. So we'd like to see that everybody heal up and, and really be ready to turn it up. So that's, that's all I got, Rob. How about you? No, that's about it. Just, I, good. I, yep. I, I like, I feel like I, I really know the identity of this team now mm-hmm. you know it's definitely a, a run first attack but not in a boring like it i don't know it, it's not mickey ball in the late years it's fun i think no. Danucci can make enough throws we've talked a lot about poke and stapleton mm-hmm. and, and you know jake brown yeah. and people like they make enough plays in the passing game but it's clearly going to be built around the run um mm-hmm. but i like it i mean when they're averaging 38 points a game it's tough to complain yeah uh, that's exactly right and, and then when like they can just take the air out of the ball and, and close out a huh. game like they did you know it's that that's big, particularly as the weather gets colder, and mm-hmm. and the playoffs start looking. And some of these teams out west are no joke. Um, yeah. They're going to need to be able to just win games on the ground. So I, I oh, like yeah. that. And then the D, I, you can see that the D coordinator it's starting to click with him and the yeah. guys. You know mm-hmm. they're buying into the system. And you saw what he did last year at Maine. There was no reason to be worried. Like we knew it would eventually get there. We right. just didn't know you know how quickly or if it would be not even this year, maybe next year. But uh-huh. I'm. I'm really liking the identity of this team and how it's built and how it's put together. Me too. Me too. It just feels like an all around team and, and the ability for them to run over pass, whatever you, whatever you want to take away, Jim, you could do the other thing. Mm-hmm. And I, last year, I think we, you know, last year and to some extent, even in 2017, when the running game got shut down, we got concerned at times, Yeah, you know, and, it wasn't that they – I mean, Jamie, you had the athletes that in a lot of games against lesser competition, they would ultimately break a big play or there'd be a turnover that put them in great position. I don't feel like they need any flukes this year. It's just kind of – they're just a little better at every facet of the game than the other teams. Yeah. And I, hopefully they can carry forward. Yeah. So we're going to do a, four things looking ahead instead of two this week as we head into the bye just because we don't have a big overtime or anything tonight. Um but we, we did want to take a little time and think about not just what we're – we're not looking ahead to anything next week, but what, what we're looking ahead to in the stretch run. Um, Rob, you want to start us off? Yeah, well, this isn't necessarily Jamie related, but the CAA is kind of a hot mess right now. Um, yeah. It's not that it's not <laughs> Sorry that for getting us in trouble. Yeah. No, I mean, it's <laughs> not that it's bad. If anything, it's just – it's really good. But the, the league's going to punch itself out. I mean – yeah, they, like Towson, I think the playoffs are probably not happening for Towson. Maybe no. if they run the table from here. Yeah. Um, Nova suddenly is kind of vulnerable. You know, they've got mm-hmm. second loss. Stony Brook is very good, but is already sitting on three losses. Then you got like I think Albany's in second. 
Currently. Yeah, Albany, New Hampshire, and Richmond all only have one loss. Yeah. So two of the teams that JMU still has to play, oddly enough, not that we're saying they necessarily are the strongest, but they are right there. But they're getting it done. Yeah. Yeah, they're getting it done. Yeah. And like Stony Brook, I think they've got, I think, the third best overall record of any uh-huh. CA team. But they're currently tied for like fifth or something. It's, it's tough to make a playoff case if you end, if you're just end of the year and you're like fifth in your league. I mean, they'd still get a bid, but um, there's no yeah. real locks other than I, you'd say if the season ends today, it would clearly be Villanova, JMU, and probably Stony Brook. But yeah, then I, I don't know if, like, the sure. New Hampshire, Elon's Albany, Elon. Good. Elon's 4-4. Four yeah. Four. yeah. I mean, it, it's really – Delaware, Richmond. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of teams in that mix. I, yeah. That all have, I mean, like, Jay... quote-unquote, like, signature wins or a really good win. But they all have, like, bad losses, too. Yeah. It's, it's a mess in there. And, I, you know, Rob, thank you. For, and everybody else, thank you for defending me who I, – I, I was a little over the top in that tweet late Saturday night. Um, and I, I didn't mean to trash – Anybody, and, and I certainly did. I said that there were five teams. I basically said there were five teams in the country and everybody else was terrible. Yeah. And I was really trying to take a shot at the um, Southland Conference as usual because they really are terrible. Yeah. Nichols lost again this week, and I just feel like there's nobody good in the conference. Um, that's Soft Houston State and company. And if I start hearing about three and four bids from the Southland, it's just crap. And then – and Kennesaw. Kennesaw is the other team that I really – we just we see a lot of Kennesaw stand fans pop up, um, and they're very excited about their team that doesn't have any FCS losses. They play in the Big South. They've beaten like teams that, I mean, Jamie Morgan State is better than these teams. Like yeah. there there are teams that I, these are I don't know. Anyways, it was really trying to take a shot at those teams and to say that just everybody's beating everyone. Yeah, and that goes in the Big Sky. That goes in the Missouri Valley. Goes in the CAA. It goes in the CAA for sure. And the five teams that I was saying, and I didn't mean to put these in any order, but obviously North Dakota State and South Dakota State are both very good. Um, JMU is the one team out of the CAA. And then the two out west, uh, Weber State and Sacramento State. Those five seem to have separated themselves. Um, You you can make a few arguments for Furman and whatnot, a couple other teams maybe, but Furman has a bad loss. I mean, there are teams that have some bad losses. And uh, to me, what I was saying was those five teams – I think are capable of winning the national championship. That doesn't mean they couldn't lose to a whole handful of teams below them on a given Saturday in the playoffs. But it's hard for me to see where the rest is so jumbled. And I don't know, Rob, I I mean, the beginning of the season, we said, well, six CA will never get six seeds or six teams in. I still don't think they'll get six teams in because everybody's beating the hell out of each other. But the other conferences are doing the same thing. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know how you handle it, and you never know how the, this committee is known to make some the very odd so decisions. Weird. I think yeah. it's going to be a weird year, right? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. And, you know, those, the, the big sky schools are funny because after Weber and Sacramento State, who played this weekend, by the way, in a great game, well, that should be an absolutely great game. Um, after that, all the, you know, a lot of those big sky teams have – Division two games, like games that don't count. Mm-hmm. So their, their records are weird. Um, some of them have two FBS games going the other direction. So that's really hard to – like Weber State has two losses, but they're both FBS games. Um, just really hard to – it's so hard to compare the teams this year. That's just what I – you know, I, I don't know who in the Missouri Valley outside of the Dakota States is good. Um, and in the CAA, I mean, I'm really glad that JMU has already beaten Villanova and Stony Brook. I'll say that. Yeah. You know, those are tight games, but 
those are big, big games that JMU got past. So, and ever since that fourth quarter of the Villanova game, we've seen some good stuff. So, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen to CAA, Rob. It's gonna be- I, I don't know. I mean, it's, you're going to have – it might be one of those years where you have like a 7-5 team that yeah. ends up getting it in just because, you know, like if – I don't know, like a, a Stony Brook, <laughs> they lose a couple more. You'd look at them mm-hmm. and be like, on paper, you watch them, not even on paper, but like when you actually watch them, you can tell yeah. they're a good football team. That's how I feel about Villanova. Villanova, they're good. Like, they're good football teams. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe Albany is legit. Maybe Albany's in, in, in consideration for a seed. I think Towson's right. the team that's got to be worried. Um, yeah, I do too. Yeah. But I don't know. Just it, it'll be yeah, interesting with all stretch this, run. And I can't believe, I mean, so we, we can just say it now. There's no, again, LOL Spiders goes after blowing it to Yale. Um, they come back and win this week. Yeah. And they have one loss in the conference. And for all we know, the blackout game at Bridgeforth could could actually decide the the, the title yeah. in the CAA, like it, like the old days. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, who knows? I, absolutely, who knows? I have no idea what to make of it. Yeah. My second down going ahead, Rob. Or second thing, um, looking ahead, I do think JMU needs to find a third or fourth. They need to find a third and a fourth receiver. Yeah. Um, and whether that's you know even if it's the tight ends being more consistently used. There, you know, I think the running game has kind of sorted itself out. I don't think the four players who run the ball, they don't seem upset with each other anymore. As we saw with Van Horst getting hurt this week, that stuff's going to happen at that position. I, I think by the time we get to the playoffs, you know, it'll be pretty clear packing order. They're fine. Polk is amazing. Stapleton is clearly carved out a, I'm going to get you first downs by boxing players out. Yep. And I'm going to catch touchdowns in the red zone. You know, I mean, he's a matchup nightmare in certain parts of the field. But after that, you know, Kendall Dean hasn't like totally gotten back to where he was last year, I don't think. And then Jake you know, Brown's never... had some nice games, but he also he... hasn't been targeted some games. Yeah, that's that's what the, there's just there seems to be like no consistent slot. You know, whether that old kind of Rashard Davis, John Miller role mm-hmm. doesn't seem to have been locked down by anybody in particular. And and then, you know, some games we see two or three really good plays to Dylan Stapleton, and some games we see none. And we also see that it usually is like if Dylan Stapleton's in, maybe they throw to him. But if Painter is in, they don't throw He's to blocking. him. He's blocking. Yeah. He's blocking. And I think somebody else, yeah, they just they got to find a third weapon in the passing game. Because I do think when they go up against the really good defenses in the playoffs uh, down the line that actually can cover you know, some of these guys at least, you know, present a good matchup to guys like Polk and Stapleton. Um, They've got to have one more. Somebody's got to step up there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, think I, I know that's a position I pay attention to more than any other, but <laughs> just I'd like to see, like to see one guy make some plays. And, and part of it's not just the players. I mean, I think the coaches have got to find a way to scheme for some of those guys too. Yeah. Just um, get them involved. Yeah. Get them involved. You know? Yeah. Cause I think they're going to need that third, I mean, how many times over the years have we seen that John Miller type player be the one that makes the big play in the biggest game, even when there's bigger names around? Yep. So, yeah. So what about you third, Rob? Well, similar to how I'm getting a little more optimistic about the pass defense, Mm -hmm. uh, the return game is taking steps Mm -hmm. forward again. And that's very exciting to see. But I was checking, like, Jamie still hasn't returned a punt for touchdown, which is kind of crazy. It's something Jamie was (laughs) kind of known for. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that's really 
on the verge. I know Amos had a couple nice ones the past past few weeks. Um, we've eliminated a lot of the, the muffs and the kind of mistakes that we saw uh-huh. earlier in the return game. So I'm very uh-huh. excited about that. Um, specials, we keep talking about playoffs. When we said we weren't yep. going to get ahead of ourselves, and then here we are. We're 8-1 at the bye. No, There's I no mean, game. We got to talk we big picture. Bye, right? yeah. <laughs> we, and, and these are yeah. things just looking for, like you said, sometimes it can be a third receiver. Sometimes it's like a backup running back who makes a play. It's often special teams that can give mm-hmm. a team a spark or really turn a tight game away, a tight game in the playoffs. And we've got games mm-hmm. now coming up that are suddenly, like you said, bigger than anticipated. I, I think a yeah, lot of New us Hampshire, thought this Richmond, was going to be sure. – Almost playing out the string. I did kind of like, even three weeks ago. I kind of did. Yeah, <laughs> and now yeah. these are games that JMU's going to need to win uh, to uh-huh. to maintain any sort of hope of being a seed. Um, and they're not easy. Like I, no. I mean, we wish the spiders were falling apart, but maybe they showed some resiliency by bouncing back the way they, they sure did, did after a really gut wrenching loss. So I, yeah. I just I want to see kind of looking for the little things now. And to me, special teams are one of those things that we often overlook but have played mm-hmm. such a huge role in so many JMU victories uh, historically in the past. So yeah. I, I was excited to see some glimpses of, of, of light in the return game in the uh-huh. past three weeks. And I think that's something that uh, a lot of it is just kind of confidence. When it, it's like a guy getting hot. If Amos gets mm-hmm. hot, Amos gets hot, it's going to be a real difference maker. And, you know, it would be great to see him return one against Richmond. Yeah, it, that's, that's one they could really use. Um, and you're right, as they go forward, it, it – yeah, he had a good return this weekend. It was a lot of running for for fifteen yards. Return, right, yeah. right, right. Um, it was fun to watch in the stands, but um, yeah, it would be great to see them improve on that and and keep keep improving. Yeah. I mean, just keep that getting more consistent. And that's and the converse of that is my last one, and that's just I'd like to see a little more consistency or in in the kicking game. I mean, I just want to make sure that as we go into the bye week, Racky's we want Racky to be healthy. I mean, I just. I believe so much in him. You can tell that Signetti believes in him, um, but just want him to feel confident going down the stretch. And then we just, I, I wonder, Rob, and I don't, I don't want them to show it too early, but, you know, Harry has been a really quiet part of his team this year mm-hmm. after being a real noticeable part of the team um, in the Houston era. And we've, I, you know, I, I guess I'm just hopeful you know, not that anything's been particularly bad there. I mean, Towson has some good returners and, and got a couple of good returns, I think more in the kickoff than the um, punt return game. But I, I wonder what's down the road. That's all. I mean, I just – I hope that there's some thought. I did hear Signetti today. One thing I thought was interesting is he talked about – he's like, well, I could have gone for it on fourth down a couple times in this game. I was a little frustrated we weren't cashing in opportunities in the second half. But we are up three scores. And like, what am I doing? You know, yeah. like, why, why am I doing that? Um, you know, and, and, or I, I wanted to get a touchdown, but why, you know, if a field goal puts me up 17, take the 17, take you it, know, yeah. well, the way we were playing on defense, I think was what he said. And yeah, that's exactly right. But I'd like to see at least the possibility of some um, creativity, let's say in the kicking game, just putting on uh, tape. Just be ahead. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. Maybe that's what they're doing. It's just not putting it on tape, yeah. and uh, you know, saving the uh, Aussie weapon for later on. So we'll see. Rob, I, there's no LOL spiders tonight. Um, spiders win again. We'll see them in a couple weeks. I, I guess at this point, just root for them. I'd like it to it to be a big game. So I, I, I can't root for. I can't. Them, I can't root for no, them. I can't root for them. But I'm fine if the, I, I guess I'm not going to be upset if they win and we're the ones to really 
burst their bubble. Oh, so, yeah. Um, Rob, I also don't really have anything for overtime unless you do. I did want to congratulate your son on the, uh, the Halloween outfit. So I will send pictures of that um, yeah. on Halloween. My yeah. oldest is, has always been a mascot fanatic. Um, he's huh. always loved Duke dogs, you know, like even when he was, he was very shy, still is pretty shy, but he's always mm-hmm. been the type of kid who runs up to mascots. Or, so he is Duke dog. <laughs> he, he put together a Duke dog costume and he did it himself. It's he came up with this plan awesome. and, you know, he was going all over the internet trying to find capes and crowns and dog heads. <laughs> and he did a pretty good job with it. And at the Halloween parade the other day, you can definitely tell who the JMU alums are because they were running up wanting to get pictures with them and everything like that. So <laughs> it was pretty cool. And I, I was proud of him. It's cool. He, he likes putting together his own costumes, and he did a really good job with this one. But yeah, it's impressive. And, <laughs> and on, the, on the costume front, Rob, I, just one very small, uh, very, very inside baseball um, thing here. Rob, I don't know if you noticed the likes I got on posting the hat. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I saw that. This is off the, way off the topic here. But, uh, yeah, Rob put up a post about the two of us being old and – I think at various times the last few weeks, we have both felt extremely old. Oh. And, uh, and I, I did get to post the hat. And I just thought it was funny that Justin and Sarah are our two oldest friends of the blog all the way back to the 2010 days. Yeah. We're the very first, two, we're the, fir- the two people to jump right in on that. Yep. So, yeah, that was awesome. You know what made me feel really old recently? What's that? I, I'm, not, I'm probably going to get this wrong. Mm-hmm. I didn't know Billie Eilish and Sean Mendez, I had it mixed up about which one was a boy and which one was a girl. Yeah, I, I, I actually asked out loud the other day um, about one of those two, and I'll leave it to, up in the air which one. Yeah, um, I just I, I know nothing the about yeah. the whole pop culture. Like, I don't know what's going on. And here's yeah. Are, so that, that one in particular, I felt really out of touch with that. Oh, that's awesome. Well, we'll come back with something cooler uh, next week for Overtime, since we'll have a uh, a very plugged in, pretty cool guest next week. Yeah, I'm looking well. forward to it. It's one of my favorites, yeah. if not my yeah. favorite. So, yeah, exactly. So, Rob, um, with that, everybody have a good bye week. Everybody rest up. Maybe check out Sacramento State, uh, Weaver State this weekend. It should be a pretty cool game and, and uh, worth checking out for down the road. Certainly possible one of those teams, you know, if things stay as they are. It looks like NDSU is going to run the table. And if JMU runs the table the rest of the way, uh, Certainly a real good chance we see one of the winner of this weekend's game at Bridgeforth uh, very late in the year this year. Yeah. So uh, we're checking out. And uh, otherwise, oh, otherwise, the, the home what? and home announcement from last week. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Yeah, that's oh, yeah, exactly. That was huge. The Weaver this State. Is our so yeah. hot tip to Signetti, the coaches born, everybody put that together. That's, that's awesome. Um, for me, I'm not, I'm not upset about kind of trading that for an FPS game. Or, I think oh. that's a completely fair. You do that in a heartbeat. Um, uh-huh. I'm very excited about that. That's just a cool scheduling opportunity and a great road trip opportunity. For, yeah, for these I, I said it right away. I, I, I'm so impressed. So for anybody that doesn't know, JMU announced that in 2021, they're going to play at Weber State in the regular season, uh, the third week of September, I think, second or third week of September. And in 2022, Weber State is going to come to JMU. Uh, 2022 is a year JMU will have a road FBS game. JMU will not have a road FBS game in 2021 when they go to Weber. Um, I hadn't thought about it from the stand. We've been kind of asking for this kind of game for a long time, but I hadn't thought about it in terms of like, by doing this, you don't get the money. Yeah. <laughs> like they're going to, it actually is pretty bold of Jim, of JMU to do this. And yeah, like you said, huge credit. I, I think it's awesome. I mean, and I, I think we, 
talked about, I think 2021 when they play what, or no, the 2022 game when they play um, at Bridgeforth is very, could very easily end up being the one that could get moved to that week zero FCS kickoff yeah. spotlight game or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know for sure if that will, cause that's the last couple of years, I think been kind of a neutral site thing. And JMU is certainly not going to do that, but what a cool opportunity. And yeah, that will, that will, those will be huge games that year. And credit um, to Weaver too. Put together. Like, yeah. It's, big it's, credit it's to awesome. Weaver. You know? It's awesome. And, and I, you and I looked the last, you know, when we've followed them a little bit since they came to Harrisonburg and that stadium, they're, campus that town is gorgeous yeah like i I mean i've certainly never been to ogden utah but uh i mean it's mountains all around it's exciting it's exciting and i think it'll be really cool for you know dukes in a part of the country that don't um i'm quite sure we have a few people out there in utah and colorado nevada that don't get a chance to go to a jmu game and that'll be pretty cool for them yeah so yeah big big uh Big props to the administration for getting that done. And to Signetti for saying yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the Weaver staff for saying yes. That takes some guts mm-hmm. um, before the season. So, yeah, that'll be really cool. Rob, I will uh, talk to you next week. Uh-huh. Hopefully um, with, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right. Have a good week, everybody. Week. All right. Go Dukes. Todo